So I don't know if y'all heard, but Russ Freshdick got a little present the other morning. Woke oh up boy. to a real yeah. surprise. I thought he explicitly said he didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it. because I want to talk about it. He shared a photo of it with me, and now we're going to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's not... We're. This isn't for the podcast. This is like stuff like just that happened to be recorded and it's never used. It just ha- Jelani happens to find like a little clip of us chatting before the show yeah. every single week. This isn't the show, yeah. Russ. So talk about your gross bug bite. Oh, cool. Okay. So I'm not great with bugs, uh, but I do really <laughs> like hiking. And uh, my wife and I went camping over the weekend and a uh, moment. Uh, one was that we woke up one morning and there was a spider the size of a half dollar by our heads. Not ideal, but that's Not fine. But, but the rest of the trip went great and it was really lovely. And then yesterday I woke up and I was, uh, you know, stretching. It's been two days since we went hiking or whatever. And I felt on my back, the small of my back. And I was like, oh, weird. Is there like a skin tag there or something? And I'm like, I'm like, well, should I just pull it? And then I uh, looked in the mirror and there was a fellow there just hanging a on a little little tick friend and i had a fucking meltdown <laughs> <laughs> um but you got it out you dealt with it well i didn't deal with it my wife dealt with it after i had like a little child's like tantrum because i had never experienced anything like that what was her reaction well she there are moments you know we all you balance your partner out right uh-huh. So there are moments when I'm having a meltdown and and she comforts me and vice versa. This was certainly the former of those situations. And she was very brave and, to, uh, you know, got some tweezers and, and, and pulled it out properly. I've never had like a bug living in me mm-hmm. that I know of, that I know of. It, it's possible. Think about happen. that, though. Think about how that bug's life has been changed ever <laughs> since the day he bit a radioactive fresh, fresh tick. He has become fresh tick. Fresh tick, oh my fresh God. tick. <laughs> All his friends think that he's a dick. Can't see colors. Oh, oh, loves wow. to eat egg sandwiches. <laughs> Does bad voices. This is a disaster. Look out. <laughs> Here comes the fresh tick. Good summary I, of me as a human. <laughs> that's basically a summary of Russ as a human being. I can do it. Let me do a nice version and Jelani can cross. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 do, you, do you have a kind, a sweet, sweet? Always version? supports my woodworking efforts. <laughs> Is a good conversationalist. Look out. Here comes the fresh tick. He's a great listener. And not so hot of a talker. Do a podcast with him. And it's a mixed bag. Fresh tick. Fresh tick. Look out. The man already got a bug living inside him. And then you just drag him through the mud. What's amazing is that Russ's camera is always so dark that we can't make out the details of his face, but he just took off his glasses and wiped his eyes. I can't tell if those were laughter tears (laughs) or the other kind. Probably one out of each eye, right? A laughter tear from one side to the other. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best games of the week. My name is Christopher Plant, and I know the best games of the week. 
My name is Russ Frustrick, and I'm the best games of the week. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the besties. You've made it here again to discuss the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It's a game of the year show that goes all year long. Uh, and usually we discuss one hot title that uh, everyone is chatting about. But this week we're doing something a little different. We are looking at a bevy of a beautiful bounty mm. of, let me try again, a, a lot mm -hmm. of luscious Ludos. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's cool. A gaggle of great games. There it is that have come out recently. And uh, we're just going to hop into it because there's so much to talk about. And I do want to mention these are games that like are not like triple and not that there are triple A titles coming out right now, but these are generally speaking smaller titles. Hey man, there's um, there's there's fucking destroy all humans re remaster remaster remade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what? Can, real quick, can we just talk about before we get into uh -huh. the the game the the bulk of these games? Very quick hits, things you tried and maybe uh you know you didn't get to spend a lot of time with. Uh, I wanted to mention very quickly a cool VR game that I played called In Death Unchained. Mm. Whoa. Yeah, I know. It's not a good title, but it's an archery sort of like roguelike where you're seeing how far you can make it into a castle dungeon type thing. And it's good. At, it's archery. So like VR is already pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of cool They've, they've used it in a lot of cool ways. One is the way you get around is teleport arrows. Cool. So you pull and you shoot and you teleport to wherever you just hit with an arrow, which actually gives you, one, a lot of control, two, constant practice of using the bow and arrow, mm. like more than you would just shooting enemies, which is very cool. Um, they have a uh, shield that you can pop up instantly, sort of like... Um, space Pirate uh, Trainer? Space Pirate Trainer, right. The shield that you can pop up instantly, so you're like... Firing arrows, you see one coming at you, you instantly can pop up a shield, which is very good. The other hand, the same button as the shield, is a dodge. And the way they do this is very cool. You have what are called teleport shards. And you push the button and throw a teleport shard. And you teleport over just a couple feet. Mm. So, like, it, the flow of it is great because it, like, to dodge, you flick your wrist. Oh, yeah. And you're, like, you're now you're over here and you're shooting again. Um and uh, all that stuff is very is very cool. Uh, Anything else, really quick? Yeah. So did Soda Dungeon Two. We mentioned it, uh, but I don't think we just thought it would be a good like at length conversation topic. But it's a good Soda Dungeon game. It's kind of clicker like in DNA, but without the clicking, it's just sort of like a very, very, very uh, minimalistic RPG where you uh, send little heroes into a dungeon to earn money to upgrade this bar where you can unlock sodas that attract new heroes and get uh, upgrades for your town to get new armor, to get your heroes deeper and deeper into these dungeons. Soda Dungeon 2 incorporates like a prestige mechanic, essentially, where after finishing <laughs> the first hundred floors of the dungeon, you jump to an alternate timeline where you start over completely. And then you go into a dungeon with 200 floors and then you do it again to a dungeon with 300 floors. Uh, I think I got to like the seventh like dimension of that. And there's like, <laughs> uh, there's a lot. There's like, It's a game with like a ton of upgrades and progression hooks, but I feel like you hit a wall like pretty quickly. It's not like, I don't know. It, I mean, I that, feel like not it, that quick. You hit the seventh dimension. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I get, I, I, I did play it for a while and like I, I for sure got my money's worth and I, I enjoy those games, but it's also free. So 
You definitely got your money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I bought the like two ninety nine uh, no ads upgrade. Uh, There's also an upgrade okay. for like two bucks that doubles the speed of combat. <laughs> oh, like wow. you buy that, it's hard to feel good about buying that, but also like I'm a busy man. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good, I think it's a good game, uh, and oh. I enjoy my time with it. But it is not the iOS game I've spent the most time playing. Sneak oh. Very quick, two more. Crosscode is out on Switch. That is a very interesting uh, RPG that's sort of styled like an MMO. I just want to say, Russ can echo this. I've been playing on the Switch, which is a great platform for it, except for the fact, don't buy it right now. Yeah. It runs, it is embarrassing. Like, it's the, not great. The, the lag on menus is like, mm-hmm. I mean, literally three seconds to get from one menu option to another. It is absolutely unforgivable wait until it's patched the devs have said that there was a patch coming i don't know if the patch is actually going to fix i I think it's going through i think it's like going through cert i think we don't know for sure is going to fix it so just keep an eye and and we'll talk about it if it fixes it and uh last one creek is did you any of you guys is that the amari amarita what is the what's the 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 people yeah (laughs) it looked like odd world or like flashback like no i mean it's one of those like uh pretty machinery did they do machinery yeah machinery yeah Yeah, it's machinery it looks great it's like a little bit kind of like um i don't know gothic if you want to say that um but it's a puzzle platformer um kind of reminds me of like uh, what did you say you guys had a good ones like odd world is a good is a good or flashback or that things like that you're basically an unarmed dude trying to make his way through a haunted house by like using traps and levers and switches and stuff to get around ghosts in like a puzzly type way not so much an yeah. arcadey type way but um it's cool it's very if that's your bag it's very very cool. very quick one from me panzer paladin which is like Mega Man crossed with uh, Master, Master Blaster. Blaster. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. And it rules. It is by Tribute Games, who have made a bunch what of things. They've been like pseudo hits um, Mercenary King, Splint Hook, Wiz Orb. Oh, yeah. Uh, Holy yeah. shit. And, and this is, it is, you are a giant mech who goes into these different worlds to fight uh, famous uh, deities or mythological gods throughout time. Uh, and you will find these swords that have special powers, or you can choose to break them down um, and then get special power-ups. So there's like all these little risk-reward systems throughout the game. And it is, it's just one of those games that keeps laying, layering on um, ideas, but they're mm. all good ideas. Um, which makes it kind of boring to talk about because it's a whole <laughs> bunch of mechanics, but very, 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 very fun to I'm play. I'm going to check that out. What's it out on? It is out on Switch and PC, I believe. I need cool. to check to make sure. I want to, uh, let me start by talking about the, my game, my like p- official pick, although we spent like 10 minutes talking about other stuff. So I feel like this, we've already started throwing spaghetti at the wall, uh, cause it'll be quick. Uh, I want to talk about Good Sudoku by Zach Gage. Uh, so much better than iOS. the previous one. Way better bad than Sudoku. Bad Sudoku. Why did they start with bad Sudoku? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I realize that like I kind of dig this game the same way that I dig Clubhouse games in that it is like kind of a game about gaming literacy, specifically uh, Sudoku, which I think is like a, I, a, like a subject that I did not know I was interested in. But it is a game that is that reveals to you like what sudoku is actually about above the like or rather below the surface level which is all that i thought existed right Mm -hmm. sudoku is a puzzle where you have uh not a nine by nine grid 
separated into you know these three by three chunks um and there are numbers and you can't have a repeated number in any row any column or any house which is what they call the three by three squares um that's sudoku i feel like everybody knows what sudoku is right you see it in the paper you see it in magazines whatever um and when i solve a sudoku in like a, a a magazine or a newspaper or whatever it's literally a question of going through the different cells, which is what they call the individual squares in, in, in this grid, and you know, look at a cell and say like, okay, well, this row doesn't have a nine, this column doesn't have a nine, and this house doesn't have a nine, and it's the only place where that can go, so this mm-hmm. is a nine. And then that informs the other cells in that house, that row, that, that column, and then you just c- kind of go through it, right? But the thing you are doing is just process of elimination you're just going through and solving it based on that level of deduction alone uh and what i've realized through good sudoku is that like that is baby town yeah little little kid level sudokus and that, like all the ones that i've ever done in magazines and newspapers have been accessible like that there's a lot more going on. There are a lot of uh, uh, advanced strategies for solving Sudoku where the numbers aren't immediately evident like that, where it's not, well, this cell can only have this one number in it. Mm-hmm. So that is obviously solution. Uh, there are puzzles where you have way, way, way less to go on. And now it's a question of like uh, every cell in this puzzle has three possible solutions. Uh, I guess I just have to start guessing and then see if everything lines up. But uh, good Sudoku is all about not doing that. And in mm-hmm. fact, it, it makes the claim that like you can solve any Sudoku puzzle without having to guess and see if everything lines up. There are There is like a tutorial that is very accessible. It teaches you the basics. It teaches you how to use the notes, uh, the note-taking tools that I'll talk about here in just one second, uh, which is like the best thing about good Sudoku. And then it shows you these like 20 different like advanced tactics. Like for instance, if there's uh, a row and there's two cells in that row that, uh, you know, the number three can only be in one of those two cells, then you know it's not in any of the other cells. It's got to be in one of those two, mm-hmm. right? If those two cells are in the same house, you know that the number two is not anywhere else in that house because like, and that's, like yeah. a beginner level advanced strategy and it goes so 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 much deeper than that and figuring out those things uh has made sudoku like a completely different thing for me and it has made it very very fun for me so one last thing the best thing it does is how it handles notes which is to say there's an auto note button that you tap it right when you start and it shows you it fills in all the cells with all the possible numbers that could go in those cells mm-hmm. which like i told my wife rachel about that and she's like doesn't that just solve the puzzle for you but it very rarely just like shows you like okay well this one's got to be three this one's got to be nine it just opens the door for you to use these advanced tactics without having to do the like busy work of just like going through and figuring out like what can't be what and that is like the whole reason they built the game is that gauge wanted to get into sudoku but like found that part of the process like so fucking annoying and uh menial and now this does it for you so that you can focus on like the really, really satisfying deduction work of, of Sudoku. I think yeah. it's brilliant. I think yeah. it's incredible. So I, and I think that's where it succeeds. There's a lot of areas that it succeeds in ways that like, if you've ever tried to play Sudoku on a phone, for example, it's generally a nightmare. Like the UI is a nightmare. It's like very cramped and you're trying to like force it. But the idea that you're removing the dummy parts, the parts that you would just automatically get to if you just like counted, 
Yes. Basically, it removes all of those elements. So all you're left with is the puzzle-solving logic elements that have no, like, robotic, oh, you'll eventually get to this point. It's exactly. more the thoughtful parts of Sudoku, which means that because you're getting rid of that first stage, you can get through puzzles much faster and eventually get to puzzles that are much harder and more complicated because they're removing that, like, oh, I'm spending brain power to figure out which one doesn't have a nine in it. It's not even brain power, right? Like, that's that's just literally looking at a row and saying, like, well, this one doesn't have a three. That's it. That's right. not really puzzle solving. But that is also the only kind of Sudoku I've ever done before is yeah. that very, very surface level. Yeah. This game has a button that fucking does it for you so that you can get onto like, the really, really difficult puzzles that it teaches you these strategies that feels so... I spent like 25 minutes doing a pro-level uh, puzzle the other day, just like staring at it, and then like you find that one thing. You yeah. find That's what's so great about Sudoku is like, I found this one like cell, and I was like, oh, well, this can't be a seven. And you scratch out the seven, and then just boop, everything just kind of falls into place. It's really cool. It is very, very satisfying. And it has taught me about Sudoku, which is like not something I thought I wanted to learn about. Some real quick backstory, just because I, th- I think it's especially useful with Zach Gage. Um, so Zach was an artist before he was a game designer, and uh, he made some really bizarre stuff, like a game called Lose Lose, which was like, picture like Space Invaders, except for when you shoot uh, uh, one of the alien creatures, uh, that creature is associated with a random file on your computer, uh, deleting it permanently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, until the game destroyed your entire computer. It was great. Um <laughs> And uh, what, what's so interesting to me about his career is he's, he is an artist. He sees the world very visually. And it, it feels like especially this back half of uh, his career so far has been about looking at iOS, seeing that there are these like core games like chess and solitaire and pool and Sudoku, that there's thousands of versions of them on the App Store, but they're all bad or mediocre and his like mo is like well what if i just did that but good and beautiful or that but slightly more interesting in the case of like pocket run pool um and that is it's so fascinating to me one because it lacks pretension that this artist you know shifted uh, his career to like making games accessible and and making right. games for an audience that would usually not come in contact with the indie game mentality um but also that he's shifted from, you know, this original game, which is about, like, literally destroying your computer to making things that are super safe and super friendly and super accommodating in yeah. genres that usually are, like, riddled with predatory ads on free App Store games. Right. Um, I think I think it's, like, a really, really, really cool career. Plant, would you like to carry on with another game? Yeah, I'll carry on, my wayward son. Uh, Carrion is a game that I love. Um, it is uh, a game in which you play as uh, an amorphous ball of tentacles um, inside of uh, a secret laboratory underground. Uh, I, I would compare it to like The Thing, the John Carpenter movie, right? And it's pseudo-Metroidvania in that over the course of the game, you become bigger and more powerful. You have abilities that can, like, bash through uh, harder materials, or you can take on more powerful enemies with uh, super, I don't know, like, releasing, like, ten spiky tentacles all at once. But what I really love most about it is just how it feels and how it feels to be the monster it doesn't feel like anything really mm-hmm. that i've played in games um because you just kind of float almost through the environment it feels you know what it reminds me of it feels like you're rolling a, a like a pool ball on a pool table almost yeah it's like very smooth 
or or like you know when mario gets in the cloud um in in super <laughs> yeah. mario brothers it feels like that you're just kind of just kind of moving around gracefully um and the, it's a, it's an extremely violent game i mean you like rip people <laughs> open and their guts spill everywhere but it, it's it's so from the point of view of this creature that it it, it i don't know if it, it's funny bordering on indifferent um to all this violence it doesn't stress on the violence like the last mm-hmm. of us it's more like uh, uh the, i think i wrote about this somewhere that like you're like a snake uh in a classroom when the snake gets fed the the mice like it's like okay this is just what i'm gonna do now i <laughs> i have no soul or morals and these mice know what the game is and i'm gonna eat them um and it's just a game where you just go from room to room casually eating everything so that you can grow and ultimately fulfill your dreams which i won't spoil because that's a good turn in the game um it is it's just a really beautiful little game the, the one caution that I'll give people is navigating the world can be a little confusing at first. Yeah. Um, and and I would encourage you if you're playing it and you get a little annoyed in the first hour, muscle through. Maybe look for a guide if you have to. Um, I, I definitely ran into that problem. But once it starts going, it almost feels like they wanted to build a more like open world Metroidvania. And then about one or two levels in, they're like, no, that's terrible. We're just going to make pretty straightforward levels and let you just go ham on uh, scientists for fun. Yeah, I struggled with that, uh, I, especially uh, when I would set the game down yeah. for a little while and then pick it back up and I would start looking like, okay, wait, where am I? Which way am I going? What am I supposed to do? Um which is kind of co- which is is ameliorated somewhat because I just think getting around the world is so fun and it just looks great. Yeah. It just looks like you're, uh, you know, what it feels like. It feels like um, navigation in this game feels like you have a cheat on. Yeah, you know what I mean. It feels yeah. like uh, you have some sort of like hack or something. It's like it shouldn't be this fast. It feels like the game was built for like slower creatures right mm-hmm. you almost feel like you're cheating by how fast you're like getting around the world and blowing through um i also struggled a little bit with targeting i i uh on the with the thumbsticks uh targeting the different uh uh like when i did have a enemy that i encountered or whatever um i had had trouble hitting them sometimes especially when you start getting like shielded enemies that you have to hit from a certain direction, mm. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I particularly liked about it, I feel like these games struggle sometimes where they get to this point where it's like, well, we need to make you feel kind of underpowered in a situation. And you certainly run into enemies that have flamethrowers and like mech suits and all sorts of like really heavy duty stuff. And even in those scenarios, I still <laughs> felt like kind of a badass, which is like pretty tough to do from a game design scaling perspective. But it didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, it was auto winning or anything like that. It just it it constantly made me feel powerful in interesting ways. Yeah, it goes from fighting ants to fighting a squirrel. Like I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight a squirrel, but yeah. I, I I'm a pretty good confidence that I could like beat the shit out of a squirrel if it like went after me right yeah i hope i never have to i love you know chip and dale of course. um that yeah. but i believe they're chipmunks oh sorry thank you i, I appreciate that <laughs> correction um the, the the other thing that i liked about this game is you are already so overpowered but if you get into the role-playing spirit of like i am this thing and yeah. i'm going to menace the creatures that i am hunting you can do things like um you'll be in a floor above a room full of scientists 
and you'll break a, a little air vent open and you'll shoot your arm tentacle down to grab one of them. And then you you can pull your body back so they can't see you. It's just your tentacle holding this human now weapon and you will <laughs> slam it all across the room, just demolishing everything in sight until it's just a, a mix of electricity and blood. Um, and it, it is the only time I've played a game where I was like, Oh wow, this is really what it would feel like to be the monster in a monster movie. There's another cool effect, little small thing like that, where when you're roaming around the levels, if you pass by a light, you automatically smash the light. Into yeah. your body. Oh, I didn't notice it, that. And it feels That's cool. Yeah, it's very, it's a very cool thing. It looks like a horror movie. Like you, you, you see him like ripping stuff down, and I caught myself in it with regards to role playing uh, more than once, like going into a room where there's just a switch. I get to flip to like turn off some security system and there's like a single scientist in there and I'll just like walk right up to it and flip the switch (laughs) and just kind of like, shh, you are, you're fine. You get, for whatever reason, (laughs) for whatever reason, I've decided you're cool. And it's, I'll be honest, it's because I have full health right now and I don't need your flesh to join my biomass. But remember and tell them, tell your children. (laughs) There are so many people, characters in this game, on toilets. Like, clearly, that scene in Jurassic Park where the T-Rex eats the dude on the porta potty was very informative for whoever made this game. Because it's amazing how many times I was just wrecking people in one room. And in the room next door, somebody just meanwhile has just taken, like, the poop of their life. Uh, Totally unaware. And then the poop of their death. Yes. Listen, I love video games, and I would continue to discuss this one, but there are other ones to discuss, and we must move on. We must move on. Come with us. Hop on our shoulders. We'll carry you on. Carry on. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details. And all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? I'm not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's 
secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, I want to talk about my video game. No one else has played it, so you're going to have to trust me. I begged them to play it. Did you notice how we all played Carrion? No one played Well, if we Carrion tried. was something you had to buy tickets for and then you could play it at, at, at 9 o'clock p.m. <laughs> wow, Griffin, that sounds like a revolutionary, interesting experience. Let me talk about it. The Under Presents is a VR um, experience. I know that it is uh, native to Quest for sure. I didn't need a link, uh, a link cable or anything for it. Um, and it's probably on other platforms. I think it's on Steam. It's by a developer called Tender Claws, and it is basically a theatrical production. If we start there, a lot of the things that I'll say will make sense. It's a theatrical production. You are basically your interactions with the world are limited to taking on and off a mask, picking up items. Sometimes you can do a little spell that will grow or shrink items or absorb them into you or let you interact with them. Uh, or, but basically, that is it. That's the extent of your interaction with the world. Uh, and the Under Presents is a theatrical. The the game itself presents theatrical shows. There are tickets, timed tickets that you buy, where you pay fifteen bucks and you get a ticket for, that is before a specific time. If you miss it, you lose your ticket, just like any other um, theatrical production. 
you show up five minutes before you're teleported into a lobby with I was with three other people. It seems like it's designed for four people at a time, which is wild to think about. Four people can play this at a time. I don't know if it's instance, but there is a, a limiting factor, and that's the fact that you do the show with a live actor who is performing their role, and they're the only one you hear talking. Everybody else is anonymous. Uh, but they perform their role live with you, interacting with you. The show that is going right now and will run till I believe August or September, I think September, is called Tempest. And it's sort of an adaptation of the Tempest where the different people in the show are given like little roles to play throughout. There's some very simple interactions that you do to sort of act those out. Like for instance, in the first scene, I was assigned to be one of the sailors that's coming onto the island. And I was told to like pick up the steering wheel and pretend to steer it. Are you told that by the actor, like in character? Yes. The actor in character gives people roles, Mm. but he's not, the actor is not like in character of the Tempest. It is very much like, let's pretend the Tempest (laughs) together. I am a storm. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It's not that far off, but, um, but, but what's cool about it is it's elevated because you're being teleported to different environments that feel like, appropriate to the moment mm. and there's some special effects they play different characters throughout it evolves like the the thing gets increasingly more intense i would say um but it is one of the best sort of like multiplayer experiences um the only real inter- the only other interaction you have with the world is you can press a button to snap and if he asks you to do a role, for example, or ask you to do something, you can nod to show that you understand or you snap and people use that to, if something really cool happens, all four of us would independently just start, sort of start snapping. Like a beatnik bar. Yeah, exactly. Right. As a form of like applause and people really bought in because you paid 15 bucks for this (laughs) hour long experience. Like you're going to lean into it. Um, uh, at the end of our show, the we were transported back to the lobby, me and the three other people, and like everyone took time saying goodbye. Like they, there was like bowing and some like snapping and and you know waving or whatever, <laughs> what limited ways you could before you walk out of the theater and are teleported away from this. It's really really cool. I would say that it's more at this point about absolutely one hundred percent worth doing. I am more excited about like ways they can evolve this with different shows or whatever if this is popular enough. And I believe this is this is their second or third show, right? I, it, I, I uh, you know believe what? they've I done know. other things. Um, I think I would say that it's sort of limiting right now in the term in the fact that like the shows I think are at seven, eight, and nine p.m. EST. So if you and then there's like some earlier shows in the on on weekends there's like matinees on the weekends so that is kind of a limiting factor if you don't play games at night um you know it's harder to get into but uh i i just found it a really exceptional very cool and weird experience uh that i would i would be very happy to do again as soon as they have a different show or to do the show again and have a different role because they they ask you like have you played this part before and, you know, they try to give new opportunities to, to different people. What excites me about this the most, and I, I again, I didn't have a chance to play it, but what excites me is the idea of the eventual democratization of this 
VR theater idea. Like I am thinking about the power of a like sleep is death style system that isn't just like come here and pay a ticket to go to a show. It is like you, you know, uh, Gary's mod style, like set the stage and set the objects in it. And then you run the show. Like you get to host, come into these servers where you yeah. host your own show. Almost like tabletop simulator, but for theater. Kind of like tabletop simulator, but in VR, but and for theater. Like I, I, if that was going on right now, like if those tools were available, that game, whatever you want to call it, like was available right now to like theater companies that have no source of income or whatever. Like that seems like incredibly cool. And also in some ways, like inevitable. And it's neat that this is like, it's, it seems like the first step towards that. Maybe not the first step. I'm sure there's like been, been interactive stuff like this, uh, especially in VR social games and stuff. But it is really cool to see a game like really just double down focused on, on VR theater. Um, yeah. Man, I miss Sleep is Death. What a cool ass game that was. <laughs> uh, okay. You got to tell us about this game because I, I, I love this game. Yeah, this, this is a very cool game. So I, I'm trying to, I was trying to remember whether we had actually <laughs> talked about it. So the game originally came out. The game I'm talking about is called Noita, N-O-I-T-A. Um, and uh, I believe it came out about a year ago on Steam as an early access title. And obviously there's been a lot of instances where games come out as early access, but they're effectively done. And it's just like, well, we're just going to polish but they've actually used, the developers have actually used the last year for like an earnest early access effort insofar as like every few months there's been a new batch of uh, spells and enemies and areas and just like a ton of upgrades to the system to the point where they're very actually very close to having a 1.0 release. I'm not sure if they have a date for it, but it's very close. Suffice to say, um, it is a 2D side-scrolling wizard game effectively um, you are uh, a dude in a robe or a lady in a robe, and you go into this cave with a very basic um, set of skills and a bomb. And the game utilizes like a very complex series of like fluid dynamics, fire spreading mechanics, all these elements that basically uh, coincide with one another to the point where, um, you know, obviously fire sets uh, oil on fire and does more damage for enemies that are like covered in oil. Uh, water will douse fire. Uh, the water dousing fire creates steam, which in turn might uh, interact with like electricity, for example. So there's this like very complicated series of mechanics at work here. And making it even more complicated and kind of interesting is that whenever you beat a level, you get this opportunity to basically craft your own spells using the spells that are in your inventory. So maybe you have a spell that fires a simple like magic bolt and you can combine that with another spell that maybe has lightning attack. So suddenly your basic magic bolt now does lightning damage as an example. But you the the uh, level of combinations are just gets so wild and complex to the point where it's actually very easy to break the game. You can basically develop this combination of spells that like make you just cruise through levels much faster than you normally would. But that's kind of okay. It makes every run, I mean, it's a roguelike, it makes every run feel very different. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Binding of Isaac in that way, where you can have this overwhelmingly powerful combination of things, um, and uh, it ends up just kind of cruising you through levels. Uh, I'm very curious to see what they do for the 1.0, but if you're into like Spelunky or Binding of Isaac, stuff like that, those are the sort of games that like this yeah. definitely... Also, if you like secrets, 
this is a game for you because <laughs> this game is loaded similar to Spelunky with with stuff um I, I mean the the biggest clue I can give anybody is down is not the only direction you can go um, whoa <laughs> yeah I know you're telling me this I game's mean, got left it's got <laughs> up <laughs> I uh I really struggled to get into this one. I I tried. Um I think that the bones are there. Um I just found it like trying to understand mechanically uh pretty tough right now. Um there's a lot of stuff I just didn't understand while I was playing. I am positive that I could bang my head against it and get to some semblance of understanding. Uh, just in, with all these different games. I wanted to try to play everybody else's game, so I would be a good conversationalist <laughs> about them. And with all these games to play, I didn't really have time. But um, I feel like maybe it's something they could fix in, in later updates just to make the base. I never saw like the spell creation or anything like that. I just ran around with a canteen and dumped it in poison, which was good. Too. I, I think it's, it's one of those games where uh, I think it's similar to Splunky in that way, where like the first level is so punishing and takes you like a good hour or two just to like die and die and die until you feel like you're capable of the systems to beat the first level. And that's where all the other mechanics start opening up is after you're at, at past that first level. But it is very intimidating for, I think, people that are just jumping in that don't really know what they're doing, uh, you know, you die 15 times within 10 minutes. Um, it could be like a lot to deal with, but it is worth sticking it out. Um, yeah, especially if that's what you like. If you like opaque games where like mm-hmm. discovering what the game even is, is the reward. I think this game is for you. If you if you don't like that, I would agree with Justin that you probably want to stay away. Justin, as a, as a bizarre example, there's people found after like six months of playing the game, people found out there are three like random liquids there's like 16 or 17 different liquids but there are three that if you combine in a certain way it is alchemy and it all three liquids just fuse into a giant pile of gold and no one had any idea for like months and months and months so like that's that's there's like all sorts of like really cool secrets in the game uh so yeah that's no eat up okay that's all the video games that there are so don't don't those are all the video games this is the last episode People, I, ho- I hope people are happy. We got a, a little bit of feedback from the past three weeks. People saying, do you like video games anymore? And it turns out we do like video games. Like good, I don't know that that's entirely fair. I, I think there have been things in all the games that we've talked about recently that are like good and enjoyable. I think if anything, like our frustration, well, I don't know, specifically my frustration with Ghost of Tsushima is that I love that developer and there are so many good ass bones there that I wanted it to be better. Uh, but us being critical of video games doesn't mean we don't like video games. No, I, I, I can just sense that like if someone's jazzed about a specific game, it can be a little hard to be like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say we were nitpicking, but I, I get it. Like sometimes they just want to hear people be like enthusiastic about stuff they really, really love. Um, and we were not the most of the last three <laughs> games, I mean, the last three episodes, I should say. I'll give you that. I'll give you that on Paper Mario. That one, that one was, <laughs> that was a, a real fart balloon. I'll, yeah. give, I'll give you all that. <laughs> Are you ready for some uh, from listener mail? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, so first one uh, from Angry Aria on Twitter. Do you have any games you loved in the past that you're scared to ever replay because you're sure the nostalgia is better than the reality? I have one that I'm actually playing right now. Persona 4 Golden came out on PC, and I started to play it on PC, and I was like, man, I wish I could play this portable. And I was like, oh, it's on fucking Vita. <laughs> I remember replaying that. I'm like, I'm like pretty deep into it. It is, it is still one of my favorite games of all time, but it has not aged uh, from a sort of 
social perspective, social issue perspective, it has not aged especially well at all. At all, like there is a there is some rampant sort of homophobia and uh, some some trans representation issues in that game that are like like I always thought were there, but now playing it in 2020 is like oh, holy shit. You can't just say like, oh, that character's got balls. It's like, whoa, hey, P4G, let's calm it down. I know Persona 5 has its share of issues and hasn't like, even the the remake, the the Royal, they attempted to uh, address some of those and it you know didn't necessarily thread the needle. But yeah, that's one that like, I don't know. It is very uh, regrettable is the word I would use because I, I, I do adore those games, but uh, I've caught myself yikesing at it pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In the land of of yikes, uh, I think the biggest one looking at my shelf is Urban Chaos Riot Response, which is the game that uh, Rocksteady made before the Batman games, um, where you uh, are a riot cop. And it is, uh, you know what, the good thing is you can watch it on YouTube and just see what a truly, truly bonkers game uh, it is. It is wild knowing also like the inherent copness of batman that the studio made that game and then right. and somebody was like you know who would be good for for batman those guys um the the other I, I would also say like a lot of wii games uh i i worry that i would not enjoy them as much anymore um but maybe that's just because it's been a little i mean we while. talked about super mario galaxy a few episodes ago where like that, that was a game was. of the year winner and it didn't necessarily feel the uh, most uh, no no the problem is you were wrong there it, it is fantastic uh, and still, my fault. it still holds up that's a, no totally totally okay but i feel like there's a lot of wii gamecube games that i, I and wii u like that entire <laughs> well maybe not wii u but that i would like actually kind of like to return to because i feel like i didn't i don't know i played the same seven wii games that everybody else played and missed out on a lot of other ones yeah justin how about you uh i feel like maybe uh house of the dead overkill I have such fond memories of that wonderful grindhouse shooter, and I feel like if I went back, it maybe wouldn't hold up. It's an eleven-year-old game at this point, uh, but I have I have wonderful memories playing it, and I feel like I, it, I, they would not survive uh, the the transition. I feel like those wonderful memories are associated with like me and you like playing through almost that entire game in a weekend, and how fun it is to shoot light guns at a TV. Unless the like <laughs> it is and- fun to shoot light. I miss that. I miss light shooting light guns at a TV. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I just thought my favorite light gun game that I used to pour hundreds of dollars into at the arcade was Police Detective Trainer. Do you oh guys dear. remember that one? Oh no! Yes. I mean that one was like you like yeah. shooting at, at at targets and like doing matching colors and and you know uh, shoot these balls as they fly through the air. But like that's the bit <laughs> that's Fresh. that's that that ain't savory. Uh, Fresh. Yeah. Tony Hawk ride for you. Tony Hawk Ride, of course, oh my, my favorite skateboard uh, peripheral. Uh, no, the one that jumped to mind weirdly was, uh, and and it kind of came up earlier in this episode, Out of This World, which was uh, this side-scrolling oh. game that came out in the mid-90s. I got it at a, a EB Games and had no idea what it was. I don't even remember why we bought it, my brother and I. But it's this amazing game where you're just a guy that's dropped into an alien planet with no context or no idea of what's going on um and you just sort of have to like figure out the systems of this universe uh the the moment that jumps to mind is there's a moment where you get dropped into a tank 
and you have like all the buttons in front of you are all like alien buttons and you have no idea what any of the buttons do. I haven't played it since I was a kid, but like the memories I have of that game are like so strong. The like sense of mystery and like wonder. So I'm like a little bit terrified that it wouldn't necessarily age well, but I did a whole Eric Chahi replay last year. Uh, great news. That game still is fucking is it cool. Awesome? <laughs> it's still rad. It's, it takes a while to like get used to the controls and there's a few like fiddly annoying bits, but yeah. like you talk about that sense of mystery and discovery and like danger and like the, the feeling of powerlessness. Like that game is on point. It's worth noting. He just released a new game called paper beast, which I haven't played yet, but it's really, it seems like a, it's a departure. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Big, big yeah. Uh, heads up for anybody who has not played this game uh, or has not played old point and click games or just adventure games or anything like dragon's lair uh very very hard to get into in control and nothing like what you think of when you think of modern video games so no uh which game it's like uh, prince of persia i mean i feel like a lot of people played like old prince of persia oh yeah 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 Yeah, hard i I, heart of darkness is the game that inspired that uh return trip through eric chahi's body of work for me last year and uh that game is so special and amazing and i have so many fond memories of it but yeah it's it controls let's do a chahi mini i would do a chahi series he's he's got a he's got the the kind of catalog that we could we could digest um I wanted to real quick jump in with some. We asked for game recommendations, stuff that's a little bit off the radar, uh, and you, you also know in a lot of stuff too that I wanted to highlight because uh, I had not heard much about them, but they sound very cool. Uh, this was from Charlie. I want to put in my recommendation for a great indie game from 2020: The Procession to Calvary. Mm-hmm. It is a point-and-click adventure set inside real Renaissance art paintings where you play a battle-hungry woman looking for excuses to murder people. It takes about two hours to get through, and it's genuinely laugh-out-loud funny. Wow, that sounds really cool. Um, okay. Yeah, it sounds great. The other one, uh, this is from Kevin, said there's an early-access game called Griftlands on Ooh, Steam. yeah. With how much you all talked up Monster Train and Slay the Spire, I'm surprised I haven't heard anything from you on this one yet. It takes the best parts of those games and somehow puts it in the framework of a narrative that lasts for an hour can be partially can be partially different every time highly recommend. this is one of them clay games this is this is uh oh yeah uh, yeah, oh, right. yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, been yeah, it's, yeah. i feel like it's been in the works for a bit but like it's uh a deck building uh game where you have like you know deck building style combat but there's also uh card based like dialogues like mm-hmm. the game is broken down between those two i've i've not played it i've just been kind of like watching it from afar because i think it's still in early access but it is uh it sounds very 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 cool i have heard lots of uh lots of buzz about it and uh honestly i'm i'm overdue to uh check it out uh yeah i got one more question for you uh this is from ash uh the gay ass punk girl uh ash asks what's your favorite game so far of 2020 and why? I think this is a great question for us because we're we're about at that midpoint, and sure. and I'm curious where where all your heads are at because in, in only a few months the bloodbath begins in which uh, only one of us takes uh, victory for choosing the best game of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're it's, closing in. I I've, I cannot as much as I want this to be competitive. I cannot think of anything that comes close to Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> I sorry. mean, there are games that I uh, are close-ish but i agree with griffin i think animal crossing without a doubt is my game i don't even play that that much and like a lot of the people who my my wife rachel is more or less dropped off we were talking about that because it's the first game she's ever gotten into to this depth and it's like hey i don't like it anymore and it's like yeah that hap 
that happens. Uh, I mean, look at your playtime and you can appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I'm not saying it's a, it is a failure because of that. But yeah. like, I, I feel like that has opened the door for other games to come in. And like, honestly, can I be honest? I think Carrion is up there for me. Carrion's probably oh, top. Yeah. top. Yeah. I, fucking, I fucking loved Carrion. Yeah. But uh, will you all please someone? I know you wouldn't play the under presents because you don't like me as a person. <laughs> would you please put some time into Monster Train? Yes. It is my favorite game of the year so far in 2020. Uh, it makes Animal Crossing look like dog shit because it didn't have any <laughs> monsters in it at all, pretty much. And all um, a ghost. zero yeah. trains. It's all planes. I, no monster plane? I think not. <laughs> I, I played the beta of what will probably be my game of the year this week, and it's called Fall Guys. And it is... Ooh. Oh! It is it is just the most delicious video game and it is exactly what i needed right now just pure joy and it is a last person standing game i believe it's 60 people in a match it's a series of rounds kind of like a game show you play as uh, effectively like little clay models like what was that game where you uh game, game beast yeah. and you uh, most of the stages are like hey race to the end of this while dodging all these obstacles wipeout style y'all it is so fun and so funny and i don't know how they will balance it because there are already some things that people can do to really break it um namely there are people who wait at the finish line like bodyguards and will try to hold you from crossing the finish line (laughs) which at first i found very annoying and then i found to actually be kind of wonderful in the same way that um american gladiators is wonderful that you have these expert players who are like oh the last test i gotta get past blaze and rocket um (laughs) And oh my gosh, it's it's colorful and vibrant and happy, and nobody can talk to you while you play it. Uh, they can just emote at you. It's the best, and I can't wait for all of us to uh, have an episode about it. Yeah, that'll be a fun. It's out soon, right? The fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's out very very soon. Uh, is there? A, uh, can we flip it just a little bit? What's left in 2020 that you guys are looking forward to? I think Cyberpunk is probably like the biggest big game that's. I supposed think, to come out this yeah, year? Yeah, Cyberpunk. I think the, uh, Nintendo's like whole fall catalog is a total mystery right now, which I mean... I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm really looking forward to uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I loved that game on GameCube, and I think they're doing actually something kind of cool with it. It's got online multiplayer that you can play across the Switch, 3DS, and iOS. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. What? It, it's, yeah, it's on... Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's PS4, Nintendo Switch, and iOS, and it's all cross cross play wow. which is like kind of wild but uh i'm looking forward to that i mean it's a 15 year old game that they're remastering so i don't know if it counts but i mean you got there's a lot you got uh friggin uh rogue legacy oh, 2 yeah. which is probably oh, gonna God, be soon. Yeah. also assassin's yeah, creed valhalla soon. destiny 2 beyond light watchdogs legion uh, that Marvel uh, Avengers. Hopefully, I, I I want that to be good. You want to hear a prediction that that'll get bumped? Yo, yeah. no. Oh, oh, it, it. I'm. I will bet everything on it not getting bumped. Oh, yeah, good. It's gonna okay, happen. That one. <laughs> um. Uh. That one. Star coming. Wars Squadrons, which I've heard really, really good things about. Um. And then all oh, y'all for me. WWE 2K Battlegrounds. Oh, that does the look spiritual. Very no, the spiritual sequel to wwe all-stars one of the best wrestling games of all time i am yeah, that looks so truly high. truly horrific. maybe also the I'd... best game title of 2020 kingdoms of yeah. amalur re-reckoning <laughs> <laughs> coming out september so uh, 7th it's really confusing when i get that in my emails i'm like what is this responding to Can my reckoning consoles? emails 
Yes. Halo. Halo Infinite. Um, yeah. <laughs> that little game. Okay, yeah. Just those little consoles. Okay. Um, let's be done. This has been such a great show. I'm so excited about video games. There's so many more great games to come. So many have, great games have already passed. Next week, uh, we'll be talking about the best mechanics. Best ideas. In the Good ideas. Best ideas yeah, in sorry. bad games. Good ideas. <laughs> we are so games. prepared. Yes. We're ready for it. Didn't just come up with it for a few minutes before. Um, Justin, Justin, and, you uh, won't be here be for that great. conversation. Do you want to just drop one right now? Um, but don't say Dark Void because I want to go in on Dark Void. <laughs> then I don't have one. Yes, Dark Sector. It had a glaive that you could Love throw through it, elements and attack enemies with them. And then glaive would come back to you. Fucking kicked ass. <laughs> yeah. So this is, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a heavy uh, user interaction episode because there's, yes. you know, infinite ideas that you could talk about. So your favorite game mechanics or ideas in what is otherwise not a good game. Uh, send those to mail at besties.fan. Besties.fan is where you can find our show and you can follow and listen for free. On Spotify, please share that link around with folks. Or you can send us ideas on Twitter at the Besties Pod. Leave it there. The Besties Pod. There's also a link there. Our pinned tweet is a link to sign up for our mailing list so you can get all the real behind-the-scenes mm. dirt where we really trash each other. <laughs> That's going to do it for us for this week. So until next time, thank you for joining us and be sure to join us next time for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games It's a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties! Besties.